Audio Ecstasy, we are back. We're doing it again. Right back. Hit them back to back, baby. What do we do? We hit them with a back to back, baby. We're Drake out here. We're doing back to back episodes today. Boom. Certified lover boys back on the mic. The mics are hot. That's what we do. Dylan, mm. why don't you ask me what I've been up to lately? Why don't you just well, ask me that? Danny, man, I would love to know what you're up to lately. Uh, you know that. I've uh, just gotten back recently from a Jeff Rosenstock show that was pretty incredible. But no, I, uh, I don't have a great sense of what you've been oh, up to. That's, what was cool. that? that's sweet. You saw yeah, Jeff Rosenstock? I did. It was great. Really great stuff. Mm. Like, you know, mm. punk uh, vanguard over here just doing his mm. shit. What have you been up to as of late, my man? Uh, not a lot. I've just been chilling, studying. I got homework. I've been working. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, I saw the, uh, saw the Rolling Stones. Oh, that's just cool. Casual night. A little bit of a casual. <laughs> I saw the fucking Rolling Stones. I mean, yeah, it was it was so, sweet. Was Ford that your Field. Uh, oh Ford Field? Okay, right. Was that the first time you seen a show at Ford Field? Yes, and we had pretty good seats. Joe asked me to go. He had bought tickets for his dad and their uncle. This was pre-COVID when they'd first played the tour. I gotta say, got a real shame that Charlie Watts was not there for uh, this show. Rest in peace. I don't think we brought this up on the show before. But like, they just keep going. They just keep going. They keep trudging along, no matter what throws their way. But like, really great drummer. Really, I think kind of underrated in general. But yeah, I mean, like, I feel like he's just like a classic, like pocket drummer. Yeah, absolutely, master. But man, I mean, it was incredible. Mick is like as young and like wild as ever he's in great shape he wore this like shirt where like every time he lifted his hands up you could see he still has like washboard abs and like <laughs> he's running around the whole set like saying perfectly i saw the set list after the show on instagram none of the keys have changed on the songs he's still singing them the exact way they always were adam levine is taking some serious notes the like, with the, with the, with the, with the, just like the rolling stones and like everything you said right now it's just like oh this is what maroon five needs to be just like as like you know elder statesmen years from now doing their shit it was the best part the highlight to me of the show though was i feel like there's also points where mick tried to show off like how like quick he still is mentally like and like sure. how with it he is so he was like who hears from kalamazoo who hears from lansing just naming off like everywhere oh like toledo grand rapids and then finally at the end he goes and who hears from detroit and everyone goes crazy and then he goes well in that case what up doe then oh dude i <laughs> oh, i my loved God. it i loved every bit of it oh i sat there and i geez. ate that up and then he made a joke about like so earlier i had a coney I wasn't sure if I should go to Lafayette or American, so I had both, and then I had it at a Boston cooler. God I'm doing a horrible that is, Jagger. That is some uh, fucking buff stuff. He was awesome. He was um, incredible. So, yeah, I. Uh, speaking of buff, I uh, fucking <laughs> just cannot keep it out of the vernacular. Uh, fucking... Uh, I listened recently to uh, this the Time Crisis episode where they're talking about like the Mike Love speech. It was like an AMA episode where like they're doing the mailbag shit and like fucking. Where he Mike challenges Love, the Stones just, just like, on stage like, at the Beach Boys. Like, it was just the way he framed it too. It was, just, it, the, this, it was the uh, Rock and Rock Roll, Roll Hall, Hall of Fame, Fame. inductory, and it's just like off the fucking rails, just all over the place. Like he throws so the grateful, shout out like, to Muhammad yeah, Ali, unified like as people of the world. Yeah, Muhammad Ali was just like plus one to the yes. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and it was just like this dude is just like all over the fucking place and. Dude, there was just what? so much like he was just like you know feeling himself and also just like throwing out these like thinly veiled threats like you said like to the wrong stuff it's like i bet they could be on stage like playing whatever song this was and it was like oh my god mike love dude what what is happening he here? challenges like, the rolling stones to like, come on stage reference like paul mccartney Beatles. and paul like, McCartney, he was like bob, bob dylan, dylan bella joel con up stage yeah your hands still got in the ivory or something it was I like dude that, what are you doing i love that mike love lives in this world where he thinks of the beach boys as like a live 
band. Oh, yeah. Because no one else does. Like, right. The Beach Boys are a studio project. Yeah. In it's terms like, of, like, people, like, you know, who like the to fuck see is the like, Stones up here doing what I do, and it's just, like, singing these weak Shut harmonies the behind up. these yeah, other bands. Behind, like, a bed of studio musicians, like, yeah. Yeah. that are it's not in the Beach Boys. Like, amazing stuff. And I, I think I'd mentioned to you uh, fairly recently that I really haven't done, like, a big kind of Rolling Stones dive. Like, I know, like, you know, principal singles and some, you know, other stuff, but, like, and I'm I don't. I don't. I don't know the records that well, and like it is. It, it is Maybe kind of that's amazing. What the summer of Wayne gets a little bit. Well, no, because I already know the Stones. Shit. Th- that would. Which I didn't know. Yeah, I was gonna say. I felt the same way about Low an hour ago, man. That would have been. These are great candidates coming off a of Low Wayne summer that we still haven't finished. Given the, you know, despite the, the winter, mid November <laughs> into winter of Wayne. <laughs> but, but I, uh, yeah. So like you know, despite you know where I'm coming from with the Rolling Stones, it's like I just you know that would still be just such an amazing sort of experience and like i you know it'd be long if i said that i had no interest in seeing them live it's just like such a seemingly unrealistic kind of thing but Dude, that, is, that was, is pretty tight it was sweet they played i mean everything you'd want to hear are they still like at the end they put out like a blues covered record i think wait are you making is that a joke no i'm not did you not hear the tea the latest tea no, no. Well, I was just saying, I, I don't know what they're like. I was just going to ask you about like what have they put out anything as of late? Well, you made a very specific phrase. No. You said blues cover record. You haven't heard the gossip. No. Paul please. McCartney in an interview recently said that the Stones oh, oh, were oh, a, that a blues, blues cover. cover band. Yeah, I did hear that. Yeah. And that the yeah. Beatles cast a wider net, and then uh, humorously or comedically, whatever the better word is, the next night, like Mick Jagger at their show was like. At the end of it, he was like, at the end, we're going to bring up Paul McCartney for a blues cover for an encore. <laughs> like, Okay, so now that's amazing. That I'll, line right there, that is pretty fucking great. But even more coming off of that. Roger Daltrey from The Who called them a mediocre pub band. Everyone's coming after the Stones right now on this tour. So, oh, man, maybe we should do a can Summer I, Stones 2020. I that, like, I, even if you have some, like, whatever. Like, I, that might be a pro- Like, we got to set the record straight here. Although... Oh, oh, go ahead. What were you going to well, say? If we're doing a loose laid back episode today yeah. we, for our second Very one, vague got, ideas of things I want to talk we're just about. Kinda, it's two boys chilling, drinking yeah. a couple beers, hitting a pen, doing what we do. Doing what we do, baby. What I need to know right now is if I've got the opportunity to pivot into just a real quick, broad classic rock conversation Please. with all these guys talking shit against each other. Dylan, where do you rank these classic rock? <laughs> like I've got, these I'm guys specific. Well, we're talking about I'm going to throw up the big bands. The yeah, big bands yeah, of the all time. Yeah, the big ones in your mind, please. Zeppelin, The Who, The Rolling Stones, The Beatles. I think I'm going to leave it at that, just the big four from England. So I'm really going to be kind of showing my uh, hand here as really somebody that is not nearly as steeped in the classic rock canon as you are. Like, honestly, most of these, like, everyone aside from The Beatles, I don't really know super well, which is such a sad thing to say as somebody that, like, listens to so much music. These are all really kind of blind spots still in a way, like, I do think that, like, out of those, I honestly, it, it's such a weird thing to say because I feel like the Beatles for sure are my favorite. And, like, Zeppelin, I know the next best, but in some ways, I feel like Zeppelin would probably be my least favorite if I, I feel like if I really kind of went through and made the rounds, just because to me, like, the Who and the Rolling Stone are more kind of multi dimensional way that is, I think, more appealing to me. I think, like, Led Zeppelin, you know, they're amazing at sort of what they do, but as far as, like, you know, outside of like the principal four and House of the Holy, and I guess yeah, physical. I mean, they had a really amazing run, but like, I do think like I it might be just like the melody and like I mean, I don't know, just like the straight up swagger and bluesy kind of grit of the Stones and like the bombast of the Who. Not to say that this uh, La Zeppelin isn't, but like I think there are things that I've heard in those bands that kind of appeal to me more in a way, despite the fact that I'm so unfamiliar. Mm. 
And uh, I mean, the Beatles, I just, I feel like they've just been there forever. Like, it's hard to imagine even being cognizant of music without having some familiarity with the Beatles canon. So, like, that's just, I mean, like, I knew they'd it's be impossible. One. Yeah, that's the it's just, it's unavoidable. Too, right? It's just, yeah, it's just, it's not even yeah. close. So, like, these are all bands that, I mean, Led Zeppelin, I really have made the rounds with to a certain extent, but like the Who and the, the Stones, I mean, I really, like, it just, it's such a weird long time coming kind of thing. I mean, where do you stand on those acts? I know you love Zap. I know you love the Beatles, but we haven't I mean, really I talked about the Stones. And to the be Who honest, in order, it would really go Beatles, Who. Really? Oh, that is surprising. Z- cool. Beatles, Who. Boy, between Zeppelin and Stones, this is tough. I'm about to swing it to you. I, I'm, I'm ready for you. I, <laughs> these are the kind of questions that I just want breath feel. I got wine. I'm gonna I, go, these are all the opinions that I care about his answers to. I'm going to go... St- <sighs> Stone Zeppelin. Okay. All right, Breff, I need it. to swing it over to you. Where are your four at with these? Yeah, I'm, I'm also, su- I'm also surprised that Pink Floyd wasn't thrown in here because I d- actually do think that they would be my number if two. If I had introduced Floyd in, they would have been no- your number two? Really? Like, especially, like, not even, like, I mean, Dark Side and, like, Wish You Were Here and stuff wow. is great, but, like, the early stuff, like the Sid Barrett first record, like, some of that stuff, I really, really, and again, you know I'm a huge psychedelic guy. It's like, these yeah. are, like, there's the aspect of that where it's just, like, this yeah, is so much my shit them? that I just, I, it's undeniable to me. I don't know where I would have put them. I think needs I a little bit more them. sugar, but like I, I just I love what they brought to the table. It is just so you know informative on all the stuff that I love. That would have been back half. It would have been yeah. Still I figure as much. Beatles, Who, Stones, Floyd Zeppelin. Breath. I need your. Five. I love Zepp at the end. Floyd above the Zepp. Ooh, that feels good. Uh, I'll say why. Top five classic rock of the five mentioned of the five, of the five mentioned five. like uh, order right yes. order yes favorite to least favorite. Beatles, uh, Beatles, Who, Zeppelin, Stones, and then what was the fifth one? Pink Floyd. Uh, Beatles, Who, Zeppelin, Floyd, Stones. That's my boy. Floyd's not left. <laughs> but have you ever seen? Uh, oh, can you bring him back to breath? Have you seen uh, Rolling? <laughs> have you seen the Rolling Stones live, Brefka? I have not. Okay, because I mean, again, they again, just uh, with. What we've talked about in here, they seem very much like a band that you would fuck with quite a bit and that you would like to see live. I mean, again, I, despite how, you know, uh, old, obviously, watch how long the, the season they really are, what they do, I still think it would be an incredible experience. Do you have any interest in that? Seeing the Stones? Yeah. I mean, where's your mileage at with that? We've really only talked about, you and I, a handful of, like, acts that you love that you're just kind of not really here for at this point in time, and the Stones are, you know, well past their prime. But I'm sure they're still great live. Uh, honestly, I think all those bands... They had their time. Yes. I argue the ones that have the most lasting impact for me would be like the Who and the Beatles. Yeah. And I'd put the Who first because mm-hmm. I think their music is sort of relatable to a lot of the sounds and stuff you hear today. Mm-hmm. Floyd is like what the precursor for ambient and noise and radio. Psychedelia, ambient, post rock. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. they, they were like the clean, proper version of like, you know, pr- prog rock. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They weren't like the dirty, gritty, right? Like noise type stuff. So yeah. th- th- that would be my argument. Because to your point, like mm-hmm. I, I grew up on those th- those bands, like Zeppelin, man. We just like, like, I love I love them, but like I listen to them now, and I'm like, you know, and right. You're we're talking I don't about, need to hear about mortar. All right, right. we're talking about <laughs> yeah, your your vantage point right now, and like obviously, yeah, yeah there's yeah. no way you can see like. I mean, Led Zeppelin. It's just like yeah. with the, the realistic aspect of seeing anybody that is feasibly able to play at this point in time, what it would look like. Because I yeah. would have to imagine, like, even back in the day, despite, like, you know, mentioning the Beatles and uh, the Who, it's like Led Zeppelin live. I mean, that is just like in their prime. I mean, you know, yeah. undeniable. No, it would be. I mean, 
at the time. At the time, that's what I'm yeah, saying. At yeah, the time, yeah, in the prime, time. that's that's what it really yeah. is. At this point in time, it's a completely different kind of beef. I, I would still argue that, like, I would honestly, the band I would love to see the most now, mm-hmm. out of all of them, would probably the two would be Who and Floyd. But not that I really care for Floyd a whole lot, but yeah. the Who, I feel like at least you know. I think they have Zach Starkey, Ringo's sons, their drummer right now. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, that's And he cool. was trained by um, Keith Moon. Keith Moon. Yeah. Good shit. That so, is very cool. You know, okay. and, and Pete, yeah, and Pete, and yeah, they're all, the other two are still in the band. And not to be funny, uh, I've always kind of, as much as a lot of people don't like Pete Townsend, I've always yes, thought his uh, his sort of cocky ass attitude of, it was my fucking band and my fucking sound and my fucking songs. Bro, they were that in a lot of ways thing, like a proto. Thing, you know? He was a proto Gallagher in a lot of ways, and I mean, it just like it, it like it, it's undeniable. It's part parcel of the charm. It's just like obviously the music speaks for itself, but it's like so much of like the idea of who they were and the aesthetic. It's just like yeah, you can't help but sort of be like you know swept away in that on mm-hmm. some level. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm gonna I would sw- yeah, please swing do. it back to Danny. Swing it back over to the boy. But yeah, I, I would love for us to all go see the Who together. That would be a fucking great time, man. But Daltrey, I think to some degree. <laughs> Has lost his voice from what I've is seen. that right? I, 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 I was saying, I, I can't say that I have seen anything like as of late, really. I mean, I, I whatever, can't say I'm surprised, but yeah, it, you know, it is it, what it is. I mean, uh, it, it definitely is not something like uh, I guess seeing like the Beach Boys live where it's just like, oh, you have to have Al Dardine's son in here because there's absolutely no way that Brian or anybody else is going to even be on that kind of level, the quality expected of a Beach Boys show. But it is interesting thinking about, yeah, like the who in that way, where it's just like, oh, yeah, like the perfectionism vocally is just not something that is a top priority. We're just going to fucking do it. It's real and it's raw and it's just here we are. Like, I didn't think you know? about that contrast of how it's just such Mick Jagger looked versus like, Brian Wilson oh, and they're about the same age. Mick yeah. might be older even. I would think, yeah, probably a Mick little isn't bit. Mick is perfect. Yeah. Mick is in way better shape than I am. Well, I was to say, Mick really, and again, I I, keep, I don't want to say he's the proto, you know, of this sort of person, but it, it really does feel like kind of, uh, and uh, you know, not, I guess, it probably isn't really as well documented. I, I, at least I haven't like heard of him framed sort of in this way, but it reminds me a lot of just like the, the uh, Bruce Springsteen kind of ideal of like the, uh, as he's gotten older, just getting in more better in shape, shape. And, yeah. like, being able to do like, just like more intense, longer, like intense, like shows. shows as he's kind yep. of progressed. It's like, there is something about that that is just so admirable. It's like, regardless of what you feel about like whatever the current output looks like, it's like the dedication and fan service there is like pretty impressive. Like, yeah. That was, oh, that's a great photo of Micker. He's looking great. Yeah. <laughs> and she's a beautiful young woman. Yeah. The difference in age is palpable. <laughs> they're, they're, yeah. Looking great, but undeniable there. That, I mean, I will say this, okay, I think one cool thing about seeing the Stones while they're still old, from my perspective and like from our generation's perspective, is it's cool to see these people who are like old, kind of our parents' generation, a little bit older, I mean, they're in their like 70s, but like where our parents are headed, on stage, like still keeping their shit alive, and like Keith is smiling the whole time, they're having fun, they're still making jokes together, like mm-hmm. when Keith got up to the mic, I mean, I'm telling you, man, people were going wild, he was like, it's great to be here, really, it's great to be anywhere when you're me right now, and it was just like everyone lost it, like to just see these guys that's still at this age, like still really being the Rolling Stones, like they don't have like, I thought for a minute the first few songs they were maybe like backup guitarists behind like mm-hmm. the curtain or something, right. yeah. But no, like as it went on, like it was, it's Ronnie and Keith in their 70s still playing it perfectly, Mick singing it perfectly. Obviously, they got a couple of keyboardists and some backing vocals, right. but like it, it was the Stones are the fucking Stones still at, and like, 
Which again, it's incredible and like really speaks to like just how comical the Mike Love comments are about like them being able to really do anything on stage. Like it kind of, on some level, it doesn't even matter because they're just such yeah. the, the natural musicianship is just so undeniable there. Yeah, it's just like and like the work and everything they've yeah. done. It's just like incredible and like uh, it. You know, it, it is a very sort of interesting thing to be living in an age where like there is already a kind of a classic rock can established in a way that like there are acts that can feasibly be touring at this late their age. And, you know, it would have been sort of an unthinkable thing as, you know, sort of post-World War II recorded music, the idea of what that kind of kind of looked like, people being that age and still kind of performing and, you know, recording in that way. Doing like, it. It is... Dylan's you know, just, still putting out good albums. Yeah, putting out good albums, still touring. I mean, it, it is such a, a weird sort of place culturally to be in where it's just like there are rock stars at that point that people are still kind of excited about and invested in and not like, you know, considered old hat dismissed outright in that way. And it's so weird and I'm so anxious about the fact that if we're really being honest with ourselves in probably 10 years, almost all of them will be gone. Yeah. Like Paul will be dead. We want to be realistic. Mick will yeah. be dead. Yeah. Bob will be dead. Neil will be dead. Bruce will probably still be alive. Thank fucking with God. The, Bruce Springsteen, again, he is just like, he is the anomaly <laughs> there where it's just like, he is just like, who the fuck? I mean, he, it's incredible. But you're right. No, it, it is very yeah, He's going to be riding his motorcycle drunk still. They pulled him over. That was... It got proven to be false. He oh, I not. remember hearing about this. That yes, was all. Yes. They're trying to. They're working against Bruce because he's yep. liberal. And shit. Anyways, I'm not going to go down this. I'm not going to go down these. Amazing channels. rabbit holes just through there. I'm not going to go I down my conspiracies. <laughs> Please don't. This is truly the Patreon content right there. Yeah, right. Like the, the, the Andy Springsteen rabbit holes is like what we, you know, the after hour stuff that we're all really dying to hear. I mean, I I live for this kind of shit, but but for real, um, that's like a big thing I've been thinking about lately. Is like the passage of classic rock over time and like like there was a time crisis episode where they they were joking on this guy who wrote this article about how in 200 years when it comes to like classic rock and this stuff that like these days all these names there's still like 20 huge classic rock names you can name off that are like household names yeah that in 200 years there's probably only going to be remembered like the beatles and bob dylan yeah the idea of like the, the genre is kind of only still existing in the review or long term as like one sort of lodestar act that kind of you know exemplifies all that and like it, it's hard to compare because like yeah like if you think about like the 200 years back like sure we probably only remember a couple composers from like the, right like i mean it's technically the 18th thinking century thinking about living like through Beethoven, the time and Bach, like mozart living through that time and thinking about like the contemporary like the nuances between contemporaries and how the stuff in formed one another and then like you know hundreds of years later talking it up to just oh this is classical these are a couple of dudes and just yeah, like it's just the like, idea of all the stuff falls under that where at the time it's like th you know thinking of like subgenres of classical music and like you know the kind of, again teasing out any little nuances there is just such an interesting kind of idea what's well, this weird thing too though because i don't know if the comparison holds up because like music today like recorded music is its own thing that's like with like pop culture with like like you know what i mean like that's only been the last seven years like all that stuff was only live yes like Li live and com oh, right composed composed right. stuff that you have the sheet music for and then live performances of that. music the way we think of it with like our short-sighted perspective is just like this like 70 year old format or yeah whatever, again like I, I, I go back to a lot to just like again there was stuff like this before but it really just the popularization of like the post-world war ii just recorded like the industry and like the idea of like what pop is i mean that is like the cultural collective kind of memory of big bang in a way and like even like i mean jazz predates that and like that's still again we're talking about like very like you know relatively new forms of music it's not stuff that like is you know all that old yeah. in all seriousness but like it still predates any kind of like industry level conception of or cultural conception of like what you know recorded output it looks like and it is yeah a very kind of fascinating thing to think about it just how yeah you would just chalk that all up together what the singular rock classic rock band is going to be you know the beatles obviously but like 
what like the you know Depeche Mode is like the definitive like synth pop band or like you know My Bloody Valentine being the signature shoegaze band. It's just like you know With those things way, will fade. Yeah, like I mean like yes. those will it'll just all be grouped under rock. rock those pop, subgenres you know, will rock, not be no, yeah. Like I don't want to say they won't be known, but that's where it's tough to know because like now we have records, we have like surviving things for these artists. Where like I mean they have sheet music, but like still. And we have the internet. It's it's tough to make those comparisons. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you a question, Dylan? I well, always got, want like, your well, questions. We got a little episode. On I always want your I got questions. A free form. Please. I got you locked in the hot seat. Throw it on over. Who is the oldest artist? I think of you as someone who has more modern taste. taste than <laughs> yes, more Without modern taste question. than me. We're like your biggest artist in my mind. Reach back to the '90s, some in the '80s at Cocteau Twins. Who some is the, the oldest artist that you go back to where it's like that is like major for you like major major um so i love the question i'd say as far as like consistent listening as of late uh it would really probably be like sam cook we're talking like late fi- late 50s early 60s, 60s. Okay. like um there's obviously stuff that i like quite a bit i mean it is like predominantly jazz music like in like prior decades like i definitely you know i fucking I, you know, Ride for Miles and John Coltrane and, you know, Charles Mingus and even like, you know, Duke Ellington and like Fats Wallace and like, you know, just all kinds of stuff like that. Like, it's like, there's, there's all kinds of stuff that I like, but if we're talking about like really kind of going to bad for consistently listening, it would probably be that. Like I, mm. you know, some kind of like a doo-wop stuff, um, like early kind of rock, Buddy Holly-esque, but like I'd say consistently probably, yeah, Sam Cooke. And like, again, there are a couple of jazz records I'd say from the 50s that like I'd go back to, but like that's not, you know, nearly as consistent. But what about you? I think that's like big. For, I mean, like I'm a big Miles fan for sure, but I think where it comes to like having like a real emotional attachment. Yes. The, yeah. Probably the Beatles, where like mm-hmm. I just remember growing up with them as a kid. Like I attached them with my parents in a way, like. Mm-hmm. Just like they've known the Beatles my whole life, like I heard them in the car with my parents, like right. Probably yeah, that and like Motown, like yeah. early '60s stuff that they played on 104.3. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's yeah. what I'm for sure. I feel like that's like the like when you think of like culture as like just something you're born into and experience. Like it's that just was kind like, of always been there. That it was just feels around like me. Yeah, yes, like that's right. like informed my idea of like what songs sound like and yeah. what melody looks like right. and like how all that's chord progressions. What it, it should be in a major key and it should go one five four. Like mm-hmm. blah blah blah. Yeah. Can I? Okay, I asked you a question, but now can I just like can I do a yeah, quick hijack fucking, straight oh, up? Oh please, we're going in. You know five ten fifteen twenty on pitchfork. Yes, of course. For anyone oh, you, are, you, are you going to ask him mine? To straight up, yeah. I'm gonna, like, I got my guy in front of me. We got a couple of beers in us. This I would is, love to do this. This is so sick. I, this you, is so sick. Well, <laughs> just the fact that you like you bringing this up into this context because like one, we've never talked about this before, but like just the fact that we have this kind of relationship where you like know that like I'm aware of this and I really have kind of one of mine. Like I've never yeah, like, thought yeah, about this. That, like you like it's just like the kind of thing we look at each other. It's just like oh yeah, you 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 know you know I, what's I, up. You, yeah, you've got, got yours your locked and loaded. Like we're gonna go to yours in a second. Like mine. Well, for anyone who doesn't know oh, it yeah, out there, yeah, yeah. Pitchfork does a feature called this. 510, 15, 20, where they bring in either musicians or just like sometimes just random celebrities. And they ask them who they were listening to at age five, who are you listening to at age 10? You get to pick like one artist or one song to stand in for that moment. 510, 15, 20, and you go up in units of five until whatever age you are at the present. So, boom, yeah. out the gate, Dylan, age five, and what stands out for you? It's a fun thing to do too, just kind of. Re- looking at it as years go on, because I don't think they've had any repeats on Pitchfork, but it's fun to just assess this every like five, ten years, kind of going back to it. And like, you know, because it's like, 
on some level kind of disingenuous unless you remember something that you just didn't think of in the moment, you know, go, referencing earlier years, but like the way that your tastes evolve in later years. I mean, it's, it's a cool thing to look back on. But for me, I'd say, um, so I'm 27 years old. Uh, we'll go up to 25 clearly. It'll be cool to look at that, what 30 looks like. At five, it was uh, very clearly, uh, you know what? I would try to say for the first, it would have to be, I'd say, just like Van Morrison. Like Van Morrison. Parents are playing Bruce that like, Yeah, because that's like, before I kind of had my own sort of musical identity, like it's stuff that I were kind of was, you know, really kind of invested in on my own terms. It was like, yeah, the parents records, like it's gotta be something kind of in that vein for Do sure. Do you remember like, like specific songs too? Was it like Moondance? Oh, for sure. Moondance. Uh, Born to know. Run for Bruce or? Um, probably stuff, the period between uh, Born Hungry to Run Heart. and uh, Born in the USA, like that, like that, that kind run. of, yeah, a lot of like that. And like later stuff, just because they were, they were buying the, con- you know, contemporary records. It was just like, you know, stuff that like, the nine eleven record. That's a little bit later than you know. Oh, age, the rising. Like, rising. It was like yep. that. Obviously, I heard some of that. I don't know that that well, but like that was obviously around. It's a, it's a decent record. Um, yeah, you know, I, I really don't. I'm not super familiar with the the Bruce stuff post um, uh, Tunnel of Love, but I definitely it's would a little, like to. Yeah, I mean, also Tom Jones cool. I've heard that's a good record. Yeah, yeah. I would at some point. So. Uh, number ten, though, for sure, the Beatles. I mean, we're not talking about specific. I mean, you you asked uh, specific like records, at least in the sense if I remember, or songs or records from like Either those like an artists, artist I mean, or an album or a I song. do think, especially earlier years, it's, it's not quite as definitive. At least like the five stuff, I I can think of some like records that you know would have been probably like consistent, but. With the Beatles at ten, definitely would have been like the number one greatest hits. I mean, that was like absolutely like the that was everyone. I feel like bought that. Yeah, it was just like so much. And again, that came came out a little bit before ten, but it it was still like the kind of thing where it was just like that at that point in time. Like that was like. Ref, did you have a copy of one in the house? The Beatles. Yep, me too. Uh, Yep, the The singles compilation number one singles and everything that went number one. Yeah, so you don't think you're? I don't think I'm gonna like these guys. Yeah, <laughs> I is love it that me. one. <laughs> is it that story, no, it is. Yeah, okay. yeah. Bref, not story. into the Beatles out of the gates. The singles did not do it for my head. Here, the deep like, cuts. It was like, like your like, uncle gave it to you, right? And you looked at your mom, and you were, and you were like, I don't think I'm gonna yeah, like these my guys. Aunt gave it to me, and my mom said, "We'll put it on the shelf." <laughs> yes. And it sat there for years. Oh wow! Until I got the Beatles' love in my first drum kit, and then I pulled it off the shelf and I put it in, and I fell in love. Oh man, oh. the and free with love. I mean, amazing too. That's a record Somewhere we're talking about another remix too, episode. Okay, that that that's pretty cool. That's a record I didn't hear until this year when we did that episode. And like, it, it's a I think honestly a pretty ideal entry point yeah. for any band's discography. Honestly, if you want to go through it, it's just really well done in that way. But um, so yeah, I mean, the Beatles one at ten for sure would have been that. And I I really didn't kind of make the rounds with a lot of their. Uh, music in a deeper way and probably until like later in high school college kind of time um 15 had to have been um oh you know is it actually no this would have been a little bit later uh for sure the smashing pumpkins i mean so this is the first time where you're choosing the music that you're listening to yeah it's stuff that like i'm I'm going out of my way i'm not like it's not stuff that like somebody directly exposed me to like i really kind of sought this stuff out yeah and uh so yeah i was at 15 Sophomore high school, very, very deep into 90s alternative rock. And the Smashing Pumpkins were, like, the, really the center of my universe. I mean, that was just, like, absolutely the stuff, the band that, like, I thought about more, really more than anything else in, in general and just was, like, so endlessly obsessed with, like, going to the beat, like, getting into B-sides and live records and, like, being able to, at a point where I could hear songs and know exactly what year that was. They're just, the band like, that got you into music, right? Really, in a, in a serious way. I mean, like, the Beatles, again, were, like, the first band I had a strong relationship with, in a way, but, like, Smashing Pumpkins really kind of just made my life feel like it was 
was about music. That was just like really, I mean, it ch- kind of changed everything in well, that way. Like at age 10, when you said like the Beatles were like a big deal to you, like was it actually like, like that's part of how you thought of your identity was like, oh, oh yeah, I'm so, oh really? Because oh, I didn't that, know this that, about you. That's that was cool. the point when I was getting the Beatles. I mean, that would have been like, I probably got into them when I was initially around like seven or eight. And oh, that was when awesome. I was like, I had no idea. That was like, okay, I'm just going to always, it was like, yeah, I'm going to wear my hair long. I was like, I'm going to, you know, oh, disregard dare. This, and this like, is awesome. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of the like, just my general sort of aesthetic and the way that like you I, I became feel like, the Dylan. That is yeah, Dylan. a lot of that was absolutely shaped by Beatles fandom, no doubt, absolutely to it for sure. It's undeniable. Um, so, but yeah, the Sanjay Pumpkins. I mean, as, as far as like my own kind of autonomy um, to kind of discovering music and you know sort of finding that sweet spot, which you know Loveless speaks to in the same way, where it's the tension between melody and noise that I think they perfected on all the records and the Pumpkins did in particular on Simon's Dream, but. Um, yeah, that record in particular, Melancholy, Siamese Dream, even Gish too at fifteen. Like that stuff really was just like everything that I was into at the time. So really just had the course for the rest of my life in a lot of ways. Um at twenty Which I, is now I know you. Now, now you, you and now me you know this me. is where you and that's, me know each other. That's at this exactly age. right. A couple years after I met you. Yep. Uh it's got to be Flying Lotus Cosmogramma. I mean, at that point, like, that Flying Lotus up. was just, like, that was, again, like, as far as, like, to a point where, like, I was kind of dabbling and sort of starting to make a little bit of music myself and, like, just kind of mess around, you know, and uh, just, like, uh, Logic or whatever the fuck, and I was just like, oh, man, like, this is really the kind of stuff that, like, it just, it's so, it just pushed music in a way forward that I didn't even really register. It was stuff that, like, I wanted to hear. It was just, like, it completely changed yeah, it, it, like the stuff, the sort of stuff that I was sort of drawn to and the way I thought about music and composition and arrangement and just everything was just like, it was just so, hearing beats that just felt like fully fledged songs in a way really kind of blew my mind and, you know, it's sort of stuck the, you know, it's been a continuing ethos as far as the way that I kind of think about how music is put together and like the way that, you know, live music can kind of be, uh, you know, performed and uh, assembled and whatnot, um, but yeah, that, and I'm pretty sure that you were actually the person that turned me on to Cosmogram. Like, I had heard um, uh, Los so, Angeles. Well, no, and actually, I think I think it came a little bit later. This would have been 2012, and so that was like a little bit after until the Quiet comes, which mm-hmm. is his fourth record. So I yep. heard that and was into it, and do his uh, uh, hip hop mixtape Duality under the Captain Murphy alias also came out a little bit after that. So I, I was in really into that tape and until the quiet comes, and then I remember you get because you had the physical CD of Cosmogram and you slipped it to me and lent it to me. Yep. Yeah, just I mean that really because that's the one Tom's on. Right? Tom York is on that one. Yes, he's also on until the quiet comes. He's on both those yeah, records. Yeah, um, but he has. A, I mean, that was a big deal too at that time. Just with what I read, like the, the feature of his where it was just like, oh yeah, this. And prior records. I mean, they had some of the like, same kind of players going on that, like Nikki Ronda and Laura Darlington, but like Tom York and like Thundercats bass playing became much more pronounced at Cosmogram. And like that's really where it kind of coalesced to something that was like sort of much more than the post Dilla, Mad Lib, uh, you know, Aphex Twins sort of a conglomeration mm-hmm. in a way. Have you and Lewis met ever? I don't think we have. We need you, to get Lewis you, on I the show. Saying, you've talked about Lewis as long as I've known you, and I have definitely, I don't think I've ever met him. That's who I saw Radiohead on acid with. I think you would really like him. I mean, like, he introduced me to Flying Lotus. He introduced me to Burial. He introduced me to... I really want to meet him. Just like, yeah, that world of shit. Yeah. Yeah. Good shit. We so, got to get him on the show. All right. I love it. Back, so that, that, back, yeah. That's my 20. Um, 25, I think... Um, yeah, that been, this like, is where we didn't know each other. We split off for a couple of years. Right. You split and me off, had yeah, that out beef. in the wilderness, <laughs> and, like some serious tension before we get the podcast going again. We had that thing <laughs> happen between us. So I know 
you know, you don't know what my favorite record from that year was. Would have been 2019, but more so than Alex G's House of Sugar. I'm, hey, I'm just, this is not something that, you know, it's come up maybe once, so I'm just fucking around. But, like, yeah, that, that record, obviously, it was my favorite record of that year, but as far as, like, you know, where, because I'm approaching these as far as just like what I was the most into or like where my headspace was at around stuff in a very yeah, general if it's sense. Older so or like, whatever. I do think at 25, it probably still would have been like Panabarius Person Page. Like, I still think like wow. a record that I discovered in college still. So it would have been more appropriate at like, you know, 18, 19, 20. But all the same, uh, their cachet just continued to rise with each kind of passing year for me. And, um, it's a couple years after I wrote, because it was in 2019, a few years after the 10-year anniversary of Person Pitch piece that I wrote. But, like, it's just one of those kinds of things that, like, continue to just not only grow in sort of estimation for me and just appreciation, and but, you know, spoke more to sort of what I value in music and the way that I really kind of inspired me to the way I, you know, just music composition and uh, just, like, everything about sort of his approach to that and the aesthetics of it overall. It's just, like, it, it really opened a lot of doors for me in a way that I don't think a whole lot of other things have. It kind of reminded me of like Siamese Dream of Loveless in that way where like there were so many paths that kind of branched off from that. And like I would point out where I'm still kind of discovering in various songs that he recorded around those sessions that he's never properly released and they just blow my mind. Just mm. like the very simple kind of, uh, you know, sample based nature of it, but just the way that those things just coalesce together and the way the transitions happen. I mean, it's just, it, it really, I, I can't get enough of it. So I think that would be my, you know, five to 25, yeah. but Let's get going on yours, baby. Ooh. All right. Uh, age five, 100% Motown, Temptation. Sure, yeah. First time I was ever, like, interest, like interested in music, period. Um, I remember, like, I had a friend coming over from elementary school for mm-hmm. the first time ever, and I remember, like, setting up little tabletop picture frames to set up my Temptations and Four Tops cassettes. Like, I was like, I want to show off who I am. I also, this, this, like, this also makes the, that Four Top lyric of yours just so, that much better, just, like, hanging out, like, want to listen to Four Like, the fact that it's just been such an ingrained part of your life for that long is really just such a touching detail in my mind. I that's really, like, I really that's, like that. That's what 104.3 played, and that was, like, my childhood. That was the radio yeah. station both my parents played in the car. That was what my mom played on the way to school, and it was, like, all... British Invasion and Motown <laughs> and Temptations. Yeah. Like I remember also as a kid, my mom, like before I knew how to read, like, or as I was learning how to read, writing out the lyrics to, uh, to one of the songs and like writing all the words I know and then drawing in like little pictograms for the words I didn't know. So I could sing along and also like learn how to read at the same time. So like, I mean like mm-hmm. the Temptations were just like a huge thing for me. I don't know why. It's just so catchy, I guess. And I was like, say, like, kind of built up your vocabulary in way more ways than one. It was just like, yeah, just like, like you know, vocally, harmonically, harmonically, melodically, uh, you know, whatever. It's just like that was like really a building block in a lot of ways, it sounds like. Yeah. Blueprint. I, mean, I just remember like putting on their CDs, even like at like age seven or whatever. And like, like a couple of years after I was like into it as like an initial, like when you're a kid, you know, you go through phases super quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Like I'd moved through that like age five temptations phase, but then I remember at like seven or eight when I wasn't like into music yet, but just like I would maybe like my parents bought me a CD player. So like suddenly like I have to like engage with us, engage with way. music. Yeah. Like right. putting on like a best of Motown or a best of like temptation CD. My dad had and like really like I have a like distinct memory of like dancing in my room to like mm-hmm. know I'm losing you. And like, yeah, I was just super into that. Age 10, 
Black Eyed Peas, baby. Fuck yeah. It was all, all about right. the Black Eyed Peas all for right. me that Will I Am and like I remember getting a Sims game because Will I Am was <laughs> in it for PS2 and like This is back to gamer corner. One of the few things that I guess I've really ever heard of like games that you've expressed any kind of like and memory I got or like opinion of music. Of. That's so good. Because oh, the man. Black Eyed Peas were in it. I was really Amazing. into that album Elefunk. It was Okay. I still st- I still ride for Elefunk, and I feel like the Black Eyed Peas over time will be better remembered than they are now. That's uh, probably true. I would love to do a Black Eyed Peas episode down the road. I think they're an incredible group. I do not care really for them like at all. legitimately, but I know, but incredible. no, I know, I know you do. I don't think they're being disingenuous at all. And I would like as much as I don't care for them at all, I would sincerely love to have a Black Eyed Peas episode. All right, great. Yeah, I'm glad. It's, <laughs> it's also an episode where we just like shoot each other like random ideas. Um, yeah. Then age fifteen. So age 12 is when like I get into music. That's when I mm-hmm. my dad buys me an MP3 player, loads it up with classic rock, and that's when like I start consciously like really being into music. At age 15, I'm obsessed with Death Cab for Cutie. Yeah, so I was going to say this is kind of the transition again, which again speaks to just the natural course of time and how, you know, it, we progress as human beings, but like 15, you're at a point now where like you've really you're in the driver's seat. You've got the autonomy over the kinds of stuff that you like, yeah. you're being invested in there. Yeah, so, no one's like, showing me that. Yeah, that's Where age 10 mm-hmm. I'm hearing the black eyed peas like age 15 right. exactly. I'm like looking shit out. I mean, I do remember that the black or that Death Cab actually I did get into at age 12. I saw an MTV like do you remember MTV before commercials? They used to just show like fif- like fifteen to twenty second snippets of music videos. Yep. Sometimes very very vaguely, but yeah yeah yeah. They did Soul Meets Body, and I just remember being into that. God, I have it's just so weird. Like MTV again, it just seems like something where like I didn't really kind of pay attention to it that much until it was already just completely over. It was just such a weird like kind of thing to feel like I was watching just decay in real time. And it was yeah, like, I cannot believe that like there is something like that, that exists. It's just so transparently not what it seemed to have stood for. Like I didn't really have a, a strong notion of what selling out or anything like that was, but like it always just felt like such a weird kind of endeavor, and I just never felt like I was really kind of invested in what they were doing. But like, dude, it's weird for it's me in like, retrospect at that age because like it's weird for me because like I was into MTV at like age. That's oh, how I, got I think into I Black was. Oh, for, yeah, I, like, I watched TRL daily as like a six year old, and like at the time, like as a kid, I remember seeing like, oh, that was like a weird phase I had. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, no, that's like who you are, dude. You like mm-hmm. you watch TRL daily. You're daily. Oh like, yeah. I feel like uh, it was probably just like, I don't know, like Pimp My Rider Cribs or things like that. There was definitely like a period of middle school where there was some stuff like this that like I liked on some level and like was just like, oh, this is like just kind of where culture is. And it was like, oh, wait, this is they had music on here. There were music videos here. This is how they broke bands. This is just what it's become. And like that kind of realization of just being like, oh, man, I really, really, really missed something. No, we do. That actually was probably one of like the last things that I think that I actually watched fairly regularly on MTV in all seriousness. Like True Life was a great show. Like Jonah Hill really rides for like True Life is like a documentary series thing. Anyways. okay, so like age. Yeah. Age 15 death cab and like. Being really into like that was the beginning of me getting into like indie rock and like mm-hmm. Ben Gibbard as like a songwriter who was like a big deal for me or whatever. Yeah. Age 20, 2013. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. Yeezus, baby. Oh, yeah. I and like if we're talking about records, I mean, you know, Kanye West, Drake, just like balls deep across the board. But if we're talking about a, a specific sort of record, like that, that Yeezus would it be was like the, all like yeah. before and after Yeezus. I yeah. got a fucking tattoo and yeah. I still have it to this day and I have to like I remember <laughs> talk about it and shit. It sucks. Uh, I think that you guys kind of had a similar thing here. I remember talking to Nick about like just 
the way that kind of like t- 2013 unfolded and how like Modern Vampires of the City by Vampire Week came out in May and it was just an incredible record that like for you guys was you know like you both loved it but was like eclipsed almost immediately Dude, by Yeezus and like, like was just by the end of the year it just was like oh I don't even know when I heard this last but like Yeezus has been like in the rotation for six months Yeezus like, is the only time I remember like where like people talk about pop music changing how they dressed and shit like Madonna came out mm, and like women started mm-hmm. dressing I, like Yeezus came out I got a tattoo I bought a leather jacket like what the fuck was going on like amazing like Yeezus like, like you I went remember, to Target like, to go buy that Dude, yeah, like, no, he was just like this Forever, is I think I went to Forever 21 watch oh, yourself did you right? oh I thought that, was, that's I like a real step mistake. up I'm kidding it's like um, but like, yeah, no, the whole ritual around that and the idea of like, oh yeah, things are different. We're like, dude, this, yeah, like, I was just like, this, like, what? This is insane. This like, is the wave. I care about tennis shoes now for like a summer. <laughs> like, uh, it was just like a moment in time. Oh man, I I really miss being so into like Arca and Vine Christ and all Hudson Mohawk. Like, there was also a a very like strong period for a while where like I wasn't really into Jesus at really kind of that much at all. And I was like, just still so invested in all the producers that were on that. It was just like, this is such a fertile ground for so many great talents that didn't go off in a way that I was hoping that it would. And like, I've, my estimation of the record has grown tremendously over the years since, but like, Wait, let me get it out of 10 real quick from you. Jesus. Out of 10 on Jesus. Yeah. Oh man. Maybe like a 8.0. Okay. Yeah. I think that we're, we're kind of at that point now. There was a while where I was just like, this is not, I, cause the, it, for me, it really is just like the, the lyrics. Some of the lyrics just really great. Yeah, I, I just can't like deal. A, I but give like, like a nine. Yeah. Oh, that's probably uh, slightened a little bit. And then for you, yeah, dampened a little, a little bit over, over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But all the same, like that was just, I, it was just undeniable. When that came out, it was like, I it just, that was like right when I was also starting to get like just really into all kinds of like music. And like I wasn't a huge Kanye guy yet, but like, you know, it was just undeniable. You just dropped. It was like, oh, yeah, this is just like all that we're talking about now. And, it you know, things were different. Wow. Wow. <laughs> like, that was just like a moment in time. Post-death grips. That's like, all I remember. I knew, yeah. like, all all my friends would do. It was just like everywhere I went, it was just like, we're going to play Jesus now. Like, it was just. Did you feel that way about that first ASAP Rocky album? And we're going to we're gonna touch up on this a little bit in our next episode. But, like, for no. me, there was part of, uh, I think, my distaste for that first ASAP Rocky record was the fact that like in college I felt like any point where I was going to any kind of party like, with the album my, not the mixtape because the album the was album, like that where not you would the hear tape, like fucking not the tape. problem and yeah the album my your party for the night or whatever uh, yeah it's uh, second semester of your sophomore year my freshman year it was just like anytime we ever went out anywhere, it was just like constant. You couldn't go to a house party without them playing somewhere. It was just like, yeah, undeniable. So like, yeah. I think that left kind of a sour taste in my mouth. But Jesus, it was just like, oh, yeah. Anybody that like paid attention to music whatsoever, you know, had heard Jesus and then probably had some take on it. It was probably playing, you know. But it I feel like Jesus like, also was already at that point like divisive. Like it wasn't like Kanye had hits off of that. Like no. it was like amongst. New Slaves and Black Skinhead were the songs that like were premiered, but like but they, they weren't, weren't on hits. radio. Right. And it wasn't like people right. who weren't into music were like, dude, the new Kanye is. I like right. it. Like it, no, my beautiful protection of fantasy really was like the last time that like I think that there was a strong like imprint outside of the people that really really follow Kanye, follow, already, oh, follow Kanye music. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And uh, the last one that came out before I was a huge fan too, because by the time the Pablo came out, I was like, I'm just so fucking on board. We're here. We're <laughs> like the last one that I really enjoy as well, and like. Yeah, it's it's very weird to think about there being like just the the one record where I was a fan of Kanye and like oh yeah 
this hits. This, this is, is it. That's this, awesome. This that is, was the moment. Like, that was the nexus. That's exactly right. Yeah, because Jesus just came too soon for me. I really wish that I'd done the work beforehand, but that was yeah. a, the next couple of years were really just about that's sweet you know, though. So like the, ultra light beam was like. Do you remember? I mean, do you remember like hearing that and being like, "Oh, Whoa, yeah. this is incredible!" Like, yeah, in real time. absolutely. Just he, that, yeah, that was the first taste of it. Man. That's like, awesome. Because I also was like a fan of Chance too at that point, and being like, "Oh yeah, you this were, is you were a fan." Of Chance yes, too. and being like, "This is what Kanye does. He gets all the best people working right now in the think tank." And I'm just, just so happy in real time though that you did because like that is one of the coolest things about Kanye in recent years is like his releases as wild and like stupid as they can be sometimes Mm -hmm. he is like the last artist who does have those like release moments where like people in real time experience a masterpiece on site like no pun intended on site oh yeah absolutely the spontaneity of it the the sprawl the possibility I mean it is something that like I can't help but still kind of you know feel get caught swept up in even though I haven't really connected with the last couple records of his I mean it just operates on that kind of level where you kind of can't help but want to peer in even if like you don't agree with a lot of where he's coming from and like speaks to just again that mass appeal that he's had despite how at its core idiosyncratic a lot of his approach to you know music making really is right like i mean it just kind of speaks for itself on a lot of did ways did you watch but the drink champs at all <laughs> you know what i can't believe that we haven't talked about this i really meant to text you after i watched i watched part of the first one so he went back on there yeah and uh, i didn't see any of that i watched i, I don't know maybe it. like first like 10 or 15 minutes with uh, a few of my brothers and my cousin and we're just like I don't know why we're still this is just like so the beginning is boring you gotta well, fast forward an hour well the thing is th- I already like read through everything that like he had kind of because there were just so many pieces about just the like oh this is just what like the, the shade he throws the whatever it's just like when he gets like, drunk and he just disses everyone right it is just like totally I mean more unhinged but like Pete Kanye as far as just transparency and you know just like off the rails sort of like more off the rails than ever yeah I just think, like a little more like, amplified but so you, did you watch the whole thing then? Yeah. And did well, you watch no. the would you watch the second one? No. Okay. The first one really did it seem like it was just like, oh, this is where I mean it just he really just fucking uh, no, nothing's not fair game. It seemed here. also like they were like almost trying to stop him from drinking. Like it was like, mm-hmm. Well, Kanye, you don't need to take the shot. Yeah. Like, oh, like it was yeah. yeah. But I kinda loved it. Like it was there was this was the first time in a minute I've been excited about something Kanye did. Like when he was talking to Oh, it's much more was, exciting than the records. He was funny. Like, yeah. I cannot deny it. Kanye is fucking hilarious when he gives his takes on, like, why shit is stupid. And I, like, yeah. most of the shit I kind of agree with. Like, I'm not a his huge presence, big Sean guy. His, like, charisma, his, like, personality, the way he just, like, kind of stops and pauses and, like, thinks over it, kind of giggles to him. Like, he's just got such a presence that's so and, magnetic and undeniable. I mean, and know. I still think he has great taste. Like, yeah. I think when Tiny, Tiny talks shit about shit, it I'm not going to say sense. politically. I, no, okay, that's, of well, course. Well, no, well, I'm, no. Saying in general, I'm not saying that you think that. I'm just saying if, yeah. as far as like where I'm coming from, like great taste, like outside of like that very specific realm, I would agree with you. Like, I think like as far as just like, yeah, the aesthetics and like culture and like, you know, just the thing. What I was about being boring. I was just yeah. like, I've always felt that same way too. Right. Yeah. Things of that nature are like, yeah. I mean, I absolutely. I, I, I He yeah. said Big Sean was the worst thing. Signing Big Sean was the yes. worst thing he had ever done. I was loving it. I was eating that shit. Which, up. I mean, also, you're. I mean, I don't hate Big Sean either. I, and I you're not a cutty guy either. Versus. There's probably a couple guys that kind of are in that camp for you, but I think Big is cutty. No, I'm saying you're not a Cuddy guy, so I would I would think that like Cuddy would be more of like you'd be like, oh, that was the worst guy. Yeah, actually, over Big Sean is in my is what I would think. But like for me, it was like oh, ten thousand ten thousand fold it's Big Sean. He's fucking dog shit. Let's go, yay. Um, But yeah, no, it it is. We're at a very weird point where like you know album cycles and um, you know interviews can be potentially more exciting than actual records themselves. Yeah, and like. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a very kind of weird thing. I don't I don't really expect that much out of you, but up. I'm sure that 
What was that? They made up too. You mean we? I mean we've been going through the drama in real time between Kanye and Drake and. Oh, that's right. We have it last night. Photo. Yeah, it was literally last night. Here we are. It was. Yeah, yeah. Ages from now, when we listen back to this, we'll be like, "What a historic night! The night Kanye and Drake got back together before they put out that classic album together." Yeah, that it's gonna be. It's gonna be uh, amazing when the Pusha T album comes out, and it's just like, "Oh, we reignited." We're right back in your fuck you. Nothing changed whatsoever. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh god damn But yeah The fucking oh, I cannot I still haven't heard Certified Loverboy yet I don't think I, I ever I will I really either But it really is just not Something that I I, I feel like no I bring interest. myself back to Like yeah. oh, I actually It didn't remind me too Of like where you're kind of at with, uh, I mean, obviously, I'm not like a Drake fan the way that you were a Chance fan, but you could still never bring yourself back to hear uh, the Big Day. Yeah, I've never heard it all the way through. Awful record. Really, regardless of what your mileage goes, I still, I think Chance is another person that's been somewhat unfairly maligned. Like cultural reevaluation or like critical reevaluation last handful of years in light of that, in the wake of that yeah, record. Yeah, he is like, and. I think that's a, a capital T terrible record, but I still very much go to bad for the last several tapes before that and. It's- Oh, go ahead. It's just wild. That's the only time in my life I've ever had. Like, the coloring book is like the my huge favorite like, rapper <laughs> by chance. It's my favorite album by him. And I was going to say, that year, wasn't that like, the, like your favorite like release? That was my favorite of album the, of that year. Yeah. It's my favorite album yeah. by him. And o- then over the Blonde. Next one, and then the next coloring book over Blonde. No, this is 2016. Blonde yeah. was 2017, I thought. 2016, baby. Because I definitely would have thought at the time Coloring Book might have overtaken Blonde. I don't know at how you feel now. At the time, it would be Coloring Book. Now it would be Blonde. Yeah. But, but all the same, I'm saying like, that, that was a big deal for yeah. you. Yeah. And then the next album, I've still never heard all the way through either. Right. No, it's crazy. Like, like that, never happened to me before. It's just like unthinkable. Like I, I never have been at a point, again, where I've been paying attention to music where I think ben that could have... on it. Oh, God. That's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. It does not work. No. No, on paper it works much better than it does in execution. I had someone text me once say that that song makes me think of you because I'm a Death Cab fan and they knew that about me and a Chance fan and I was like, please don't make that is like that is insulting. You don't need to think about who knew that. That's bad. That shit's not good. (laughs) But I was. I could send you some other stuff. Please, yeah, not not anything off that record or anything that Death Cab's done like post. I would think Transcend System for you. You like Narrow Stairs though, don't you? I like half the stuff on Narrow Stairs a lot and half the stuff I don't. And I like but, plans. Oh, you like plans? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but the first two are still the ones you ride the hardest for. First, yeah, for sure. The first, well, the first four. Okay. Number two is my favorite and then the first four. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, and then just to wrap it up, 25 for me. Oh, yeah. We're still doing this. Because <laughs> I was like, I had some more thoughts about Chance, too. So oh, Well, let's get into it. I'll just wrap it up real quick. 25 would be yeah. Bruce. Okay. Who... Uh, cool. So, I mean, I'd been into before. Well, that's like, what I said. It's a cool thing too. It's not all that dissimilar from my uh, panda bear person pitch yeah, thing. Where it's you're like just getting this deeper an, into an yes. artist. A, like, You've been a, a fan lifetime. for years, but it's just like the yeah, exactly. When you're a scholar of a yes, yeah. exactly right. Yeah, you that's go a beautiful it. thing. So, it, so I mean, you've been a Bruce fan as long as I've known you, and like one of the hardest writers for Bruce outside of my mom that I've ever. You, know, you probably write. You mean you know more? So like, it's it's honestly it's such an anomaly to know somebody that like really rides for Bruce in that kind of way. And I've always really loved that about you. Is there a record? I think I know what your favorite one is, but like at 25, you think, or like certainly as of late, where do you think your head's been at? Nebraska. Oh, that is always, that is my favorite. Oh man. I I fucking love that record so much. I've always thought like, if I want to write a 33 Mm -hmm. and a third book, like that's the one I've tried. Yeah. I've taken notes on it. I was like prepared at one point in time. I was like, this is what I want to like focus in. Oh, that is so That's the record. I, I feel like I can at least do the, if you ever, it's weird sometimes with that stuff though, where there's like records you love so much and then you sit down to actually write about, and it's like, I don't know how the fuck I would write. Well, the 33 and a 3 thing is a very 
kind of a weird thing too, where people approach that so differently, where it's just yeah. like it it can be hard, especially like if you haven't really written a book before, it's like there's so much about that that it's just so loaded. It's like you go so many different directions, it can be kind of paralyzing in a way. It's, and like, really, yeah. it's so much more outside of just the record itself and your feelings towards it, just how you kind of want to approach it, that sort of a thing. It's like, this is not an album review, this is not a diatribe, this is literally just like, in a lot of ways, just sort of your relationship to the record. Yeah. And so like, so that can be- a, like history with like their personal Yes, and that's what makes a lot of that stuff so compelling. And actually, I've only read a that. handful of them and they've been from you, which I appreciate. I is love a, those. I love that series. Uh, yeah, it's really great stuff. And I, I do think person pitch is like the immediate one that comes to mind for like, for yours yeah. Those. yeah. Yep. that's but, funny so we both did the same thing yeah, at 25, at 25. We're like dialing it up yeah, on our at a point where we feel like we could really write a book about a record the 33 and me comes knocking at our door like these are what we have the notes on like this Boom. is what i'm ready that's beautiful stuff man so it it's that's been as of late we just had it's your favorite overall of his honestly like yeah because again that is it's just such a weird anomaly of out of his career and like it's certainly like has you know a lot of uh precedent certainly the music that like you make it or into but like i think of like a lot of like your you know sort of touchstones and yeah it can go in a lot of ways with his certain records but like i think of like you know you know Allied samantha i don't know if you're if that much i know you like nick drag i don't know if he's that high for you as far as like a not as much as those two but like i but do like, i love his whole i think of like just like Elliot smith it's death. just like oh yeah like the nebraska can like, like that's the record of bruce's Lo-fi, where it's just like acoustic. really just stripped down to tape like just immediate like you know matter of fact you know. It, it does i mean i think and it's sold as that these days too and it made that connection for me of like this is what connects bruce is like a classic rock guy who for i think a period of time was kind of considered corny yeah he's sure. in much better standing today from what i've read than he probably was probably than like, he's ever been honestly. yeah like now like, he's like considered like amongst young bands and like just like people in general like an the all-time greatest like, songwriters american and like an american treasure like yeah yeah, yeah. and like he, he was at one point in time considered kind of just like this oh two three oh yeah, right which is like part of him but yeah. but nebraska i think has been like a big sale on him of like he's this guy who also helped invent lo-fi and like mm-hmm. he's less like just I mean this like songwriter who can write about like to me what's so special about nebraska is it's a super social and political record it reflects like the time of reagan and all that stuff mm-hmm. but he never once speaks about issues like it's about stories he speaks about people yeah. and he lets the issues just like come to mind like the well, social forces the, the, that affect them the issues come through they bleed through the right. margins but he's but not he shining just, a spotlight on that stuff specifically. Yeah, it just comes up in the nature of what he's doing it's, right. it's amazing in that way he really. never speaks about politics yes. specifically you just see these but small so town stories <laughs> in which it's like that these bigger issues finally affect on like a personal level yeah it's amazing storytelling and like i think of like yeah i mentioned those artists for you for me and again i, I know you're not like a, a huge nate drake guy. i think you were probably the person that turned me out of nate drake but like i'm among dozens and hundreds of other artists but like you know from my mileage like you know somebody like you know phil Oliverum of the microphones it's like you know that kind of thing like the diy stripped down like yep. again, you say the, the everything about like just lo-fi in a very general sense it's like oh yeah like that is one of the like true american blueprints of what that is it's yep. like there's it's just undeniable so i uh, it holds a very very <laughs> special place in my heart springsteen and pollard baby <laughs> they don't get they don't get held together enough. <laughs> no, they don't. It makes they, no sense outside of that. No, like they, they are two of the, the great American songwriters. <laughs> the four track <laughs> is the through line. That is the through line. <laughs> Amazing stuff. But the thing I want to say about Chance, though, real quick, uh, to go back to that was, yeah, um, coloring book. I think is kind of thought of as like the last like great thing that he put out. And in some ways, like if we're gonna talk about like great classic, whatever, that's probably true on a lot of levels, but. I do think the last, like, really solid, like, worthwhile thing that he released was actually his uh, Merry Christmas Little Mama mixtape with Jeremiah. That was fun. 
Yes. And, like loosen off the wall. Yeah, and that yeah. came out that same year. Coloring book came out in 2016, like the summer, spring, I think, around that time. And Man, like, he was on a trip for a while. Oh, yeah. And then, like, the, well, why can't oh, I think of yes. it? What was the record he did with his group? Uh, Social Experiment, Surf. Surf, yes. Yeah. So that came out uh, in 2015. That was like the year before Coloring Book. So, like, 10 Day was, I don't know, uh, 11 or 12, I think probably 2012. Yeah, 2013, acid rap. Acid the year rap. after. Two years after that, Surf, and the year after that, Calling Broke. So, like, that stretch right there, I mean, I think it really, really, True Wave holds up very well. And, like, I haven't heard Surf, I mean, that record specifically in a handful of years, wave. but it's great shit. I think the, the community that he cultivated there with, like, um, Donnie Trumpet and Nico Seagal and, like, you know, I mean, Jamila Woods and No Name and Saba all kind of come out. And, uh, uh, Vic Mensa. I mean, they're all, all those artists were kind of collaborating, like, making music sort of around that time, around that scene, that, you know, Chicago uh, beat poetry, open mic night, soulful kind of like you know hip hop styling. I mean, they there was a really kind of fertile, amazing thing that was happening in Chicago in the early two thousand tens. Bless you. That was uh, thank you in the direct uh, op, not op, opposite is not the right word, but uh, contrasted so drastically with uh, what it was happening with drill that it was kind of just amazing to look at how like diverse Chicago hip hop was specifically at that time, and it still has been since. But I do think a lot of that stuff holds up and. Um, I uh, just I was thinking about that earlier because a friend of mine was just we were talking about like just you know uh, our favorite like Christmas music or holiday music in generally speaking and I do think like the Merry Christmas Little Mama really is pretty fucking solid. I mean I, that, he released like they released like a rewrap thing like a year later two later and there's some more stuff on there but that original one the nine songs or whatever just really fucking great stuff and like at a point where like I feel like yeah Chance could just do no wrong like he was just like behind the mic he was just like so magnetic and undeniable and just untouchable he could like just freestyle and that would be compelling and it's so hard to like fathom how an artist could fall off so drastically a couple years later but I mean that when was that 2018 big day um 2018 or 19 I think it might have been 2019 I don't know for sure but yeah I mean I mean, and the sad like, part is that he's putting out that coloring book tour. Right, which you brought my attention a, 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 a while ago. Going back an album in time to, yeah, like... Yeah, just really, man, my, whatever he's done, my heart goes out, because that is just, like, <laughs> like <laughs> really a, a sad place to be in, like, just creatively. I, like, yeah. there's so much, you know, again, that he's just, whatever, he's, I mean, it's amazing how far he's progressed, but, like, that is just, I sincerely hope he puts out, he's able to kind of course correct he in a way, because it's just... annoying, he's so, like... Okay. It's just like it's like, yeah. It's the good guy. It's the J. Cole. I love God. And it's I've got my wife. The J. Cole syndrome. The self right. Yeah. The super direct self righteousness. Uh, there was just so much more dimension and um, uh, not vague necessarily, but it wasn't quite as clear. Like on stuff like on acid rap, it was just like these were like kind of vignettes of Southside Chicago, and it was just like way more impressionistic. And, and then. You- like just color, I mean, colorful. It's like a, a, a hilarious adjective here, but like it just didn't feel so. It felt, yeah, not quite as like watered down and clear cut and direct. It was just like there was so much about what he was doing that felt like just kind of blurring off the cuff and in the moment, and just like just so much just natural talent filtered in a way where he couldn't kind of contain himself. And the next day, just feels very belabored and overcooked, and you know, just. It's not quite as like lighting the bottle as I think some of that other stuff sounded. But what were you gonna say? 
just you find out he's not as good of a guy as he presents himself to be. Like, he, oh, yeah, 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 he had his manager threaten MTV that like they would never work yeah. with him if they didn't pull a review that was like a B plus or something. Like, yeah, it was a very, very positive review that had some slight critiques that he would, yeah, and he bad. was like, You better pull it, yeah, we'll and like, work with you. I've seen just him like telling fans that have like expressed concern to like just go eat a dick on Twitter and stuff like that. And like, yeah. there's just been like various like, like things of that nature. I've just really kind of soured on him personally, but yeah. Yeah, it's uh, some really, really brutal stuff there. Um, and, you know, not unlike, you know, Kanye Drake, there's obviously a lot of, like, other stuff outside of margins that's, you know, outside of their art, respectively, that makes it hard to really kind of connect with it in a way that I might have prior, previously. But, like, you know, I still, with anybody, it's like I, I really hope that anybody's able to kind of turn stuff around creatively, personally, professionally, otherwise, and, you know, make the most of whatever situation they're in. But it is definitely harder and harder to take stars like that at face value when it's just so, you know, transparently, um, yeah, just not, I don't know, morally speaking, just, you know, kind of not really kind of giving a shit about where they're coming off and how they're coming off and, you know, how, you know, what they're sort of doing to other people potentially, but that's more so with Ye and Chance. I mean, I, I'm not going to say, outside of the grooming, I'm not going to really throw Drake in that kind of general camp, but, you know. You're a good guy. Give him better for the doubt. Try, try to, better you know, do <laughs> give people the better of the doubt until proven otherwise. And uh, with you know, we're talking about like people in like musicians, artists, stars of that level. It's like, you know, you really can't throw a stone without you know reaching some kind of indiscretion somewhere along the lines. But you can yeah. only hope that people can do you know better for themselves and people around them as time goes on. But it's a uh, it's a fool's errand in a lot of cases. It's a, it's a wild <laughs> world. <laughs> I love your twenty five. Should I go um, grab? Is, is he in the building? He's in the building. Oh, yeah. Should no, I mean, if he's, if he's already coming in, I didn't think he would be so here so... Uh, oh, no, we, I knew that. Never mind. I'm losing track of time. It feels like it's early, but no, yeah. He get, texted get him me. In here. Yeah, if he's here, get me up. Get, bring him in, please. Doc Rock. Yeah. No, he's here. I'm yeah, Rock, him. Rock's I'm in the building. Yeah, go get him. Yeah, no, I... I yeah. Well, all right, all right. Hey, Doc. It's good hey, to be back. it's good to be back. It's good to be back. It's been a while since I've seen you boys. Yeah, man. Oh, the hiatus was uh, brutal for uh, Rock Doc recommendations. I mean, aside from, I, I, I'm really curious to what you're going. I don't want to tease this, but there's really only been one thing that kind of caught my radar. In the, it's the not the sense. Velvet Underground Doc. Okay, so there we are. <laughs> it was like the only thing that, like, you know, I was super excited about in a time since. And I'm like, I where is the doctor? I don't have I an Apple subscription. Apple I need, TV. I'm Doc Rock. That is shocking. I need the prescription, though, Doc. What do you got for me? All right. So I'm talking about. <laughs> that's great. We're keeping that in the future. I need the prescription, Doc. <laughs> uh, it's called Dig, and it's about the Brian Jonestown massacre okay. and the Dandy Warhols. Are you familiar with either of these bands? They're decidedly <laughs> bands that I never thought that I would ever hear uh, come out of your mouth. Really? They are, That's They're just like, I mean, not because of quality or anything. They're just like not really your kind of, I mean, Danny Warhol's, that's just like, you know, sort of like campy pop, like just, uh, I mean, I'm not super well versed, but it's just, it, it doesn't really kind of seem like the sort of stuff that you would be that drawn to. And I'm not surprised to be hearing about it. And why don't I actually know Doc Rock says that well, just from the documentaries that you've talked about. I mean, <laughs> it seems a little bit more uh, contemporary for the doctor's tapes, but like, you know, all the same, man, I, I'd love to hear this shit. This is great. Well, okay, so like I remember seeing the Dandy Warhols on TV at like age twelve when I was just first getting into music. Okay, and seeing them like and just being like, I'm not really into this, and I thought I would be because of the name too. Like at the time, I was like into Andy Warhol shit and being like, yeah. all right, this is gonna be perfect. It's rock and roll. It's Andy Warhol. Let's go. Yeah, and I'm like, already in. Not being into it this time around. Like, 
I was kind of digging it a little okay, bit. Okay, cool, yeah, cool. The guy's cool. goofy. Um, yeah, yeah. The, 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 no, like, let me take that back. The albums do not hold up. Like, there mm-hmm. is not a lot of substance there. But, mm-hmm. like, as just, like, an image and, like, a moment in time, like a vibe, <laughs> sure. I'm I'm pro Dandy Warhols. The right guy, on. Courtney Taylor Taylor, the lead singer, is hilarious to listen to. I'd love to get your take on Foxy Shazam. Are you familiar with them at all? Not at all. I would love to hear the doctor or Danny or whoever is going to be a writer contributing. I mean, even Breath. I'd love to hear if Breath's heard anything about Foxy Shazam because they are a weird throwback anomaly that, like, super campy and pomp and circumstance and not taken seriously at all by critics, but like they are just such a, you know, kind of euphoric feeling that uh, is just like so has not really been invoked at all in the 21st century, I guess, you know, prior to optimism kind of revival of that, you know, sort of a uh, jubilantulation. Although, you know, so much of pop is so downtrodden these days that it doesn't maybe hold up as well, but like, yeah, so I guess increasingly Foxy Janam are just so much more of an anomaly these days, but all the same, Danny Warhol, not a band that I think that well, I'll be check them out. I'd love to hear I'm your the take, doc, man. Yeah. You are the doctor. Um, so it's the, the movie's actually about the Brian Jonestown massacre. It's called okay, Dig, and it's directed by the lead singer of the Dandy Warhols, and it's about the time they spent on tour, and they had this mm-hmm. big love-hate relationship. Like, the Dandy Warhols, one of their big hits is called Not If You Were the Last Junkie on Earth, and, like, the first line is like, I never thought you'd be a junkie because heroin is so passe. And the lead singer of the Brian Jones song massacre was a junkie. Mm-hmm. And then like he wrote a song called not if you're the last dandy on earth. And it's just as someone going into the documentary who knew nothing about these two bands, really, it was so incredibly entertaining. If you're a fan mm-hmm. of like rock in general, it's fun. Like the, the Brian Jones song massacre is like famous and you watch it happen in the movie for like getting into fights on stage. And I love that type of like oasis behavior. Out of I was gonna, I literally just want to say, this is like Nick approaching Gallagher interview. Yes. being like, I, the music is so beside the it. point. I'm not, like, yeah, I'm not interested in it. Honestly, it's like bad Olivia Tremor control, like bad, like faux sixties. Oh, like, yeah, it's not that great. Right. Well, I was going to say, I, I did think that there was definitely sort of a elephant six kind of uh, influence going on with them. I'm not super again, well versed, but like that is definitely kind of in the back of my mind when I think about the Danny Warhols. It's just like, Really bad, like Elephant Six cosplay in a sense. That's what it was, and okay. then like, and even more so for Brian Jones Sound Massacre, who I was not familiar with at all. Okay, yeah, I'm I, really not, I just know the name. I don't think I've heard anything to be honest yeah. with you. Um, but like they get into fights on stage. It's like literally like Oasis, but they like at these small clubs where like mm-hmm. there's only like 20 people there, and they're like, okay. Shut the fuck up. I'll fucking kill you on stage right now. You fucking get off my stage. Get off my stage. Like, it's just ridiculous to watch. It happened in the movie they even show. Like, one happened in Detroit, and I was, like, trying to find, like, old free press articles on it and shit. It was, like, a big, like, a full-on brawl in Detroit on Jesus stage. Jesus Christ. Oh. It's so It's just, good. like, not the vibe you would get at all from hearing the music. It's just so much Dude. more aggro than any of that would suggest. It is... It's wild. I'm just wow. like if you're if you're a music fan, definitely watch it. I honestly feel like even if you're not a music fan, it's just such a good like dramatic thing. That just like, dramatic like, time I mean, capsule of what like this not was that like being a, with them at that time. Not that anyone's an hour into this who's not a music fan, but like yeah, 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 you know. no way. But that is yeah. I'm looking forward to. It. I definitely am curious about that. Just in part because they seem like such like kind of a bargain bin like uh what is that landfill indie sort of term that gets thrown around it's just like bands of yesteryear that like oh, you've never heard of that i thought it was like that's kind of like an indie cast uh something just gets thrown off from that time but yeah just like uh um yeah the landfill indie being like just all these like buzz bands that were like hot for a couple of years and we're like talking about for a while and then kind of just like faded through the test of time or at least whatever but like 
they just like I remember like, kind of being cognizant of both those bands when I was getting into music, and I just it never really kind of connected in any you know, way, and I just never really think about them all that much. But like, I even you know know they two together. There was a documentary, but it is uh, it, it sounds like a fucking ride. It's a ride indeed. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we ride as uh, the front man of ride would say right before uh, opening their set. Does he say that? I think, yeah, I definitely told you that. But I, when I saw them at St. Andrews, like so tonight, t- tonight we ride. That it is just goes, the corniest thing It was, thing it was fucking amazing. I it was love just that, like actually. it was yeah. so. Well, it's uh, yeah, undeniably corny, but incredible. Tongue like, in so, cheek. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, so good. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me on the program. I'm Doc Rock. That was my rock doc of the fucking month or whatever. Thanks for coming back, Doc. I love you so much. It's been way too long. I'll be coming back soon. Hope to see you, baby. That was incredible. 